Hello, and welcome to Boss Talks, a weekly podcast where we chat with the bosses of the multifamily industry. Who are these bosses? They might be a manager of many, a leader with no title, or just passionate about what they do. Join our host, Evan Happel, Director of Marketing at Community Boss, as he talks with this week's guest. All right, everybody, thank you for being here. This is Boss Talks, episode 31. I have a great guest today, Devin Shally Brumbaugh. I've gotten to know her a little bit over the course of the last few months. We actually talked way back in November, and as things happen, we had to reschedule our original talk, but we made it happen. We're here. I'm excited to talk to her. I'm excited for you guys to get to know her better. All you student housing folks out there may know her because you guys are such a tight family, and once you are in there, it feels like you all know one another, So, which is awesome, and it's been great to get to know everybody. But before we get there, again, I'm Evan Happel. I'm with Community Boss. I'm your host. And Community Boss, we are a prop tech solution for multifamily, student, and really condo and residential housing in general, helping you navigate managing all those physical aspects of your community, whether it's parking, amenities, or mapping. We got you covered. Even generating some revenue and bringing value to your community. So if you have any questions about that, by all means, reach out to me. But other than that, I want to get to... Devin. All right, Devin. Thanks for being here. Hey, Evan. It's funny, the Devin, Evan aspect of it, but I'm excited to to do this afternoon. Yes, absolutely. I'm approaching, not quite, but a year into doing this show, learned a lot, and it's been such a joy to get to know so many people and really give so many people an opportunity to share who they are. But before we learn more about your journey and kind of your story in student housing and professionally, I really want to just ask you to kick off with some questions, just get us relaxed and having a good conversation. I like to ask, how is it that you like to build community, whether it's in your professional and or personal life, just day to day? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think on the professional side, building community is super important. And I think it's something that we're going to talk about anyways with the mentor aspect of this industry. Student housing is so niche and we're all trying to accomplish the same goal at our respective companies and that's fill our properties and operate them in a positive way that creates a a really unique and positive experience for our residents. And community is super important on the professional side, whether it's building mentors or just making connections. Because like I said, super niche industry, we're all trying to do the same thing. So the more that you can work together and lean on people that you meet throughout the industry that can teach you and guide you along the way. I think that's super important. And I think there's a lot of really cool ways to do that. LinkedIn is great in the sense of you get to see what's going on at other companies and engage with people. I think different professional events throughout the year, whether it's Interface or LeaseCon or anything like that is is really great for me, especially when I travel to different markets. I know I mentioned to you, I'm in Miami, Florida this week, which is not a bad place to be. Just going to different properties and introducing yourself to people is super important too. I love to go to competitors and I used to secret shop them and pretend to be a student, but I'm starting to age out to where they can tell (laughs) that I'm not an undergraduate student anymore. So Slash they may know you. (laughs) That honesty is super important of I'm here helping out our property and making that connection and then following up with that property manager or whoever afterwards. Hey, it was really great to stop by your property. I appreciate how welcoming you were, letting me see your product. And then on the personal side, sports are really big to me. My husband is a big Cleveland Browns fan and you have to be all in for them because it is what it is. But 
I'm also a big Kansas basketball fan. So community on the personal side is super important to me. And I build a lot of that through sports. I know that when we talked way back in the fall, I told you the cool connection between baseball and my family. My dad's a college baseball player and uh, most of my uncles are coaches. And so on the personal side, sports is really big for me in terms of building community. Yeah. And I don't want to get into your story too much, but that was, from what I remember, like a big part, not maybe a big part, but a fun part of being in student housing is you actually were somebody that would travel around with your dad to different campuses across the country as he was, or he was a, sorry, what, what is he, was he umpire? Yeah. So he was a black sheep of the family. He was the umpire. The rest of my uncles were coaches, but yeah, I remember we talked about it. I did my college visits on baseball weekend trips with him when I was in high school, which was really yeah. cool. That is cool. That's fun. That is not yeah. an experience everybody said, can say they have. Yeah. <laughs> so that's awesome. Besides community, thanks for sharing your thoughts on that. Obviously, when we gather and have a meal, it's another great way to build community. So I like to ask, what is it that you would make somebody as they when they come over to have a meal with you? Oh, that's such a good question. I have to be honest. I know like people will say like grill a steak. I'm not the steak griller in my marriage. I am the steak seasoner. And then I pass it off to my husband for the grilling portion. But I'm a big pasta girly. Like I love to make like a good vodka sauce or a lemon cream sauce, something like that. And I think you can get really fun with the noodles and the sauces and that sort of stuff. To some people that might be a cop out, but you can put a lot of love into that sauce and a lot of flavors and stuff. So that's, that's where I tend to go when we have people over. Nice. Yeah. No, sauce is key. In fact, I don't think my kids will eat it unless it has a sauce. Yeah. They're I'm like a sauce oh, this queen. Is too dry for sure. No, sauce is good. Good sauces. You can't beat that. All right. And then third question, when it comes to where we're located, we're in Seattle, big coffee culture here. So I want to ask you, what is your, actually, and I need to add, we actually have our own boss blend of coffee. So for all our new customers, they actually get a bag of coffee and a coffee mug and all that stuff kind of representing our culture here in Seattle. But I want to know what's your favorite cup of coffee? Okay. I have to disclaim my husband and I, for one of our wedding anniversary trips, we actually came to Seattle. We wanted to hike the Washington National Parks, which is super fun. And we went to the Starbucks Reserve Roastery, which was like one of the most epic experiences that I've ever had. It was so cool. But I teeter between if there's not, I'm just going to go Starbucks, but if there's not a seasonal drink out that I'm super like pumped about, like right now it's the pistachio cream cold brew. Love it. Can't get enough of it. I am usually an iced blonde vanilla latte person with soy milk. Okay. Nice. So you do like to go with the more espresso drinks, although cold brew, not espresso. I enjoy a cold brew personally. It ends up being a little easier on the old tummy, <laughs> less, less acid because it's just soaking in the beans. But yeah, that's great. I'll have to yeah. try that pistachio cold brew though. I haven't had that one. It's epic. My actually, my mom is such a trendsetter. She posted it on Instagram one morning, like the day it came out. She was like, hey, pistachio cream cold brew is out. And so I just made my way over to Starbucks and got one and Yeah, I've been hooked ever since. I don't admit that to her. I do not say that she influenced me to go get my first one on the day they came out. It's it's very true. You don't want to give her the credit. No. (laughs) That's funny. All right. Thank you for sharing those answers to all my questions. And 
Now I just want to jump right in and get to know you a little bit more, share with others about you. Although before we jump in, I want to just share some of the love. I don't know if you see the questions, but, or the comments, but we got Wes DAC's giving you some love. Oh, Monica, I'm assuming you know these people. These are all my favorite people. Yes. This is awesome. Alex is my girl. We were on a panel together at LeaseCon and we just clicked over the same values about student housing and leasing. And I actually see the last comment is my husband saying that I was very typical in (laughs) picking pasta. pasta. Yep. Yeah. Nice. I'm glad he's representing and supporting you on here too. Yeah, awesome. awesome. All right. So let's jump right in. Tell us your story. Like, how did you get into this niche world of student housing? Because you got into it right out of college, right? I, yeah, I was actually still in college. So I, I'm based in Columbus, Ohio. That's where I'm originally from. I went away to the University of Kansas actually to study music therapy originally. So complete opposite ends of the spectrum compared to where I'm at now, but very typical story to many other people. I was in school, needed an opportunity to make money while I was in school and got my first leasing consultant community assistant position. And that was with Campus Apartments. And it was an incredible first experience for me. Campus Apartments is such an established company with tons of resources to to bring people into the industry and make them understand what we're we're trying to do and what we're trying to accomplish. Spent about a year with them and then made my way over to what was at the time Peak Campus is now Peak Made Real Estate. I know we're going to talk a little bit about mentors at the end, but some of my first mentors are at Peak Made. I have a lot of respect for that company and what they do, but I worked for them for quite a few years, leasing consultant. I was in their summer internship program. Leasing manager, national leasing specialist, assistant manager, new development property manager. And after quite a few moves with my now husband, we were ready to get back to Ohio, be closer to family, put down some roots. And so we moved to Ohio. I did a small stint in conventional multifamily housing, realized it was not for me. And so I got on with Tailwind Group, which is who I'm with now and have been with for three years. And couldn't be happier. So they're based in Mankato, Minnesota. I'm the director of leasing and great company, great experience and exactly what I would hope to be doing at this stage of my life. A lot of moves, a lot of different positions, a lot of my husband just trusting me every time I say we need to rent another U-Haul and make the move again, but it all put me to, to where I'm at now. So super grateful for every experience that I've had. Yeah, that's awesome. And before we get into kind of the things that we're going to discuss, I do want to ask, this isn't like a duh, maybe it is kind of a duh, but it feels like just about everybody that works in student started while a student. Yep, it's true. (laughs) And that's that's what's so cool, especially when I was like a leasing manager or a property manager, when you would have that one in 20 community assistant or leasing consultant who realizes, hey, I'm really good at this. I love the sales or the marketing or the property operations. Like I want to explore a career in this. That's such a career high for you that you brought that person in and the experience that you gave them as a leader manager is the one that actually made them want to continue down that path. So I've had a handful in my career that that have decided to stay the course and stay with the industry. And 
that's been really cool because nobody comes into this and is just, I'm going to go to college for property management or student housing. You have to find your way into it. And so I think the coolest thing, some of the highlights in my career are the part-time community assistants and leasing consultants that have decided to make a career out of this and that I could be a part of them kind of finding that experience. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And you've had the same experience, so you can really like, we might as well just talk about it. Mentorship. These people are young and they're not necessarily had a lot of jobs or professional roles. And to be able for them to jump in while in college and get a job that's actually for many people that don't even go to college is a professional route and career that they take on, on the conventional side, a lot of times. So for them to be able to jump in and then get their footing and maybe learn something, maybe they don't stay, but they, if nothing else, they're learning a professional job, how to present themselves, how to sell all those things. Yeah. So what's that? Who was that for you? Did you have some good mentors to get you rocking and rolling? Yeah, I'll agree with what you said before moving on to that. That's how we brand this position when we put it out into communities at different schools and we're hiring. Like, even if this isn't a long-term thing, you're going to learn how to sell. You're going to learn how to cultivate a brand and put that out into a community and find your target audience and communicate with them. And so it teaches you a lot of valuable business skills that you can reapply to a ton of different industries. But no, for me, yes, tons of mentors, tons of people who have made an impact on me. And with all of the moves and relocations and different positions that I've taken, you come to an impasse. Everybody does naturally in their career where you got to make tough choices and sacrifices. And you maybe question to yourself sometimes, is this the right move for me? Is it worth it? And some of those mentors were the people that helped me stay the path. And had I not had that phone call or that video call with them, potentially I wouldn't be working in the position that I'm in now. And I, to name a few, Ashley Poyer at Peak Made Real Estate is one who brought me in, gave me my first sort of corporate sales support traveling position and showed me the ropes for what that means. Trying to think of some others. Laura Bremer, actually one of who works with Alex, who's listening in today, was huge for me in terms of learning how to travel to properties and make an immediate impact. Tons of people that have helped me stay the course and in different ways. And oh, I, at Tailwind, I'm super fortunate. I have a great direct supervisor, but I also have a really cool connection with the president of our company who's super passionate about sales and acts less in a supervisor capacity, more in that mentorship capacity and working with me on how to influence people and make an impact through the people side of the business. And that's been really huge for my development too. Nice. That's great that you've had that. It sounds like there's been quite a few people that have had an impact. Would you say that you ever really formed a, a mentor-mentee relationship with people or was it just kind of like naturally happened? They had your back, they talked to you, share things, hold you accountable. Yeah, that's a great question. I think it depends on the company. When I was with Peak Made Real Estate, it was built in as a part of the training program where they paired you up with somebody who was a, a veteran in the same position and could be somebody that you could meet with biweekly or monthly. And I've had different opportunities to do that on both sides where maybe I was had been a leasing manager for a while and they wanted me to talk one-on-one -on -one with somebody, help them find their footing and figure it out. Definitely experienced that a lot at Peak Made and out, outside of that. I think it, it's like trying to find adult friendships, like where you have to like formally ask somebody, 
Do you want to be my friend? Do you want to be my mentor? And it can feel very strange, very foreign. Yeah. But no, I'm, I think some of it, I think, has come through the company and the structure of their training programs, but also in different situations. It's just been as simple as like finding friendships in adulthood. You make a connection with somebody and you're like, hey, I want you to be to be somebody that I can have a very real conversation with. Alex at GMH has become that for me when we first connected at least on back in December, I told her, hey, I want to talk to you about some of these markets that we're really struggling in or coming up short in leasing. And she was like, yeah, anytime. So I think it can also be as simple as that too. Yeah. It, I think mentorship can be lots of different things. I shared with you and some others that have been boss, talk guests, just something that's been starting to come out there called mentor matchment. Somebody that I connected with started it and it's been really cool just in a really short amount of time, the number of people that have jumped in and obviously are hungry for mentorship and getting to know people. And with technology, I think we're just so more, much more adept than okay with doing something like that over video versus having to be in person. So, I mean, the box opens even more when you're able to do it with people that are across the country versus just your local area or even your company. So being able to learn from so many more people is super fun. So if you haven't or others haven't, I totally check it out. If you don't, can't find it, I'll reach out to me. I'd love to get people connected to that resource as well. Definitely. But yeah, so mentorship, it is, it's, I don't know, it's like cheating to me, right? So if you have a mentor, you're plugging into their knowledge. If you want to just go it alone and figure it out and make all the mistakes, like you're still going to make mistakes, but it's so much better when you find people that are successful in the industry to learn from. Yeah. Or, and maybe not necessarily people who have on paper success, but people that have diverse experience. I look at, especially in the student housing space, people that have worked in a variety of markets, I think is super important. As the director of leasing at Tailwind, maybe... A mentor for me is not necessarily a somebody at a VP or somebody at the C-suite level. Maybe it's somebody who is in is on the on-site space still, but has worked in 15, 20 different markets. And you know what I look for in a mentor these days is somebody who can help me realize that different leasing difficulties that I've faced, learning from those and being able to repurpose those in other markets, that's the key to success. Whether you're going to College Station, Texas, or Ames, Iowa, and being able to take things that you learned in Miami, Florida, where I am this week, and repurpose them to different students, different markets, that sort of thing is super important. And not always longevity, I would say, or on-paper success is super important. I think diversity in the wealth of knowledge that they have also plays a huge part potentially in, in what you should look for when you're trying to find somebody that can give you the ins and outs and help you in different ways. Yeah. For sure. And there's different lengths of how long you would be in that relationship too. You might continue the relationship, but like an official mentor-mentee thing, sometimes it just goes ends, and you get a new one. Like it just, and then some of them people have for years, right? So it's, yeah. yeah, I think it's like you always have a season where you're learning something new or having a need to learn something new. And so when you find people that are like, willing to help you in that moment for a time that's invaluable really yeah 
Definitely. All right. So as we've established, you work for Tailwind Group in general. You've been in student housing for a lot of years. You dipped your toe in conventional, but came right back to student. Yeah. And I think people would go the other direction and do the same thing. <laughs> yep. Yep. I actually, I know somebody, we had an incredibly talented leasing manager in Columbus, Ohio, and she had come from convention and absolutely knocked it out of the park for us in terms of, of leasing, especially in the Ohio state market, but eventually made her way back to conventional. And when the call came through of, Hey, I'm taking my next opportunity. I'm like, I get it. It was me, but it was the inverse. You know what I mean? I took a step the other direction and realized this is not for me. I got to go back to what I know. Yeah. Yeah. So when it comes to that, what is, from your take, been the di the difference, even in your role and the way you support your communities and what you do is some is somewhat different than what would be experienced on the conventional side. So explain that and like what you've learned to be the differences. Yeah, I'm super passionate about this topic and this question. Student housing is very cyclical. For the most part, we're leasing August to July but so is every single one of our competitors in the market. And so mm. we are going after the same renter base as all of our competitors and targeting them for the exact same time. And even though I only spent a limited time in conventional, one of the things that I realized was you're turning units all year and what may be your peak season for unit turnover may not be the same as your competitor down the street. Depending upon how many active renters are in the market, you may not be battling your comps or you might be depending upon the season. Whereas for us, renewal season's in the fall. And then depending upon your market, it might end October, November, December, January, February, I would say at the absolute latest. And then it's all guns blazing on new leasing. And it's just different in the sense that it's super competitive because you're all targeting for the exact same time frame, and you all have the same renter base that you're trying to pull from. And yeah. these students are inundated with communications from five or six properties in the same market. And how do you differentiate yourself to not send the exact same communication that the village or the point or whoever down the street would send? How do you stand out in the things that you say to be the one that stands out and comes out on top? Yeah, for sure. And you can't stagger leases. It's not, <laughs> oh yeah, we have six six month leases right now and a year lease and an 18 month lease. And <laughs> no, it's 12 month leases. And depending upon the market and what your property has experienced, we have market specific conditions where maybe a property has a, a recurring interest from med school or professional school or graduate program that leases on a different structure. We might do some five or 10 month leases to help with graduating seniors and be able to work people in mid-year based on those programs. But otherwise, it's August to July, always. Yeah, yeah. That's, that is not the same. Yeah. <laughs> and like you said, you're all fighting for the same people. You've got, they're all the same age by and large. Obviously, you have varying ages here and there when it comes to students and people go to school, but. Most of them, they're between probably the ages of 17 and what, 21, 22 years old. So it's like all the same market, all the same competitors, and even the school you're competing with them. So yeah, yeah that's, that's an interesting relationship with the university because from market to market, it's so different. We have some markets where there's a shortage of on-campus housing and the university is, please take our people. Like we will, 
send you and refer as much as we can. And then we have other markets where potentially there's been an enrollment decline and on-campus housing is even hurting in the sense. And I've seen markets where on-campus is hurting so bad that they'll cancel housing fairs because they really need to make sure that they're filling those dorms and those on-campus beds first, or they delay housing fairs past certain deadlines to make sure that campus housing is taken care of before the university would play any part in helping students know about their other housing options. It is tough and it is different from market to market. I will spend a couple days here and then go somewhere else in a couple weeks and you just have to adjust because it's a completely different set of conditions with the town, the students, the market. The other thing I will say is, yes, you're right. It's a very niche renter base that you're targeting. So I have fallen prey to moving to a middle part like Gen Z and wearing less makeup and the big chunky white tennis shoes. Like you got to do what you got to do to be able to connect with your target audience. And it is rough because I don't agree with some of these style choices, but I'm doing (laughs) what I have to. At least it's just a uniform. (laughs) My husband is like, what are those shoes? What are those jeans? And I'm like, it's what I saw them wearing on campus. And if I'm going to go like hand out stuff on campus, I got to look like them or I'm going to stick out. That's funny. Yeah, I've never even thought of that. I don't even know what kids wear. I cage, I have young kids, so not the same. But it's just so funny. Yeah. <laughs> that is a funny aspect because, you know. That's the yeah. worst part about our industry is we get older, our target renter base doesn't. So We're how literally do we stay? Always the same age. <laughs> so how do we stay relevant? It's so difficult. Oh, that's funny. That's why you got to keep hiring students. Yes. <laughs> and making sure that you're whoever the trending person on TikTok is that where you're supposed to part your hair, how much makeup to wear and how chunky your tennis shoes should be. Oh goodness. <laughs> uh to that point, do you guys use social media? We all are trying, right? But do you guys use it even more? And what platforms would you say are most effective for student housing? Yeah. So we we have an incredibly talented marketing team at Tailwind. Our individuals on the digital marketing side, Sarah and Carly, would, whenever I'm asked this question, if they're available, I just pivot to them because you got to play to your strengths and also know when to pass it to your team members. But yeah, social media is super prevalent. We're planning an event here for next week for this property in Miami. And one of the things I worked through with them was here's a communication and social media plan that I think you should follow over the next week. Here are the touch points that I would like to see because here is what I'm betting will be the response or how many people we can target through that. And it's really tough to stay up with the changes in social media. Instagram went from being a platform that was all about these really well-curated photos to they wanted to compete with TikTok and they're focusing more on videos to now I've even seen articles that Instagram might go back to trying to put more emphasis on photos in the algorithm. And I'm like, I don't know how we keep up. Instagram, TikTok, in some markets, depending upon the situation, Facebook, Twitter, that kind of stuff. But I think that for our purpose, if you're wanting to do stuff on trend and make trends fit your property, doing that through TikTok is really good. And then really trying to do that aesthetic, lifestyle, very pleasing sort of images. You're going to want to continue to curate that content through Instagram. Yeah, that makes sense. I, 
yeah, we're doing our best. We're we've done some fun ones. I'm proud of them. They're yeah, they've gotten some views for our company and stuff. So we went through a phase when I was traveling where I was back before Carly was on board with our marketing team. It was just fair on the digital side. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna teach these properties how to edit TikTok videos. And so it became whenever I would travel, they're like, oh, Devin, you got to film the TikTok with us. And I'm like, I'm not what your target audience wants to see. So your CAs need to be in these videos, not me. But that's, we've come a long way since then. Yeah. I used to say the same thing and now I'm on camera every week. So you can't always, you never know. You never know what's going to happen. We did have a question. Joel, he's with our company, actually one of our founders. And he's just curious about, any changes that are significant that have happened with the onboarding of students in the last few years? Yeah, that's a great question. It's different with every school because of on-campus living requirements. So some schools may require students to live on campus for two years. They may not live them, not require them to live on campus at all. And so that impacts when you engage with a student throughout their academic journey, which I think plays a really pivotal role in you know, their leasing process, because if they're a freshman and there's no on-campus living requirement, and this is the first place that they've lived outside of home with mom and dad, there is a very steep learning curve to that experience. Whereas if you have a student who had a two-year on-campus living requirement, is coming off of campus as a junior, has had time to see where their friends live and experience maybe the pool at the property that their friends lived at or whatever the case may be, they're a bit more adjusted to what that process is going to look like and what the expectations are for them. So I would say that maybe not so much over the last couple of years, but really market to market, school to school, that experience is very different. And a lot of it is based on what the expectations are from the university. I will say post-COVID, the biggest thing that I'm seeing is parents are still very heavily involved in the decision, especially with the financial aspect. That has not wavered at all. And I would say students don't seem to be touring as many places as they used to. They're doing a lot more research on the back end and then maybe going and touring their top two favorite places or three at the most because they see their time as very valuable They're used to working from home or doing class from home. And so anything that requires them to leave their home base and space, like it better be for a really good reason. Mm -hmm. To answer that question, I would say, and hopefully this answers it in the way you guys are looking for, it's very market specific. But I would also say that we're seeing a change in students that if they're showing up at your property, it probably means that there's a good chance that they're going to sign a lease with you. It's just a matter of how you curate that conversation while they're there because they don't leave home for just anything anymore. And I'm guilty of that too. I have DoorDash, Dash Pass. And if I don't have to leave, I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. No, it's a real part of our culture now. Yeah. Especially in light of COVID, everybody got so used to ordering everything and having it delivered or just rolling up, getting into taking, put in your car and you take off and you don't have to do any of the shopping. So yeah. There's, I think we've had a major shift and then these kids, they all grew up with that. So yeah, they're very, I think, used to it. Mm-hmm. It's like second nature to them. Whereas me, I'm like, ah, I ain't paying for my food being delivered. Are you kidding me? <laughs> that was me last night. I got finished up at the property, ran a couple errands and I was like, there is no need for me to be anywhere than my hotel bed. So let's see what we can get delivered. It is yeah. what it is. 
Yeah, it is. There is another question. This is an interesting one and relevant to the age group and just uh, across the country, something that people are becoming legal and that kind of stuff, but weed compliance. Yeah, that's a really good question. Fortunate for me, I'm on the sales and marketing and the creative side. Our job is really to how can we build a recognizable brand within the community, influence students to want to come and check out our properties, and then arm our teams with the skills to be able to lease to those individuals. So this would be a really good question for somebody on the operational or legal side. What I think is unique about Tailwind is we're primarily based in the Midwest and South. And Evan, you can correct me if you feel any differently, but I feel like a lot of those changes are mostly happening on the West Coast and move east. So I would say that it's not something that we have run into a ton because of where our properties are based. Gotcha. Are you guys mainly in the Midwest? Yeah, Midwest and then the Southern region. Yeah, the whole West Coast, we are very legal. Yeah. (laughs) And I think there's Colorado and I'm not sure who Nevada probably is, but yeah, I don't know where else. You're dealing with different dynamics of culture in those areas too. Like the, I think the coasts swing more progressive and then you got the Midwest that's more conservative politically. So yeah, it kind of. It moves through, whether it's coming from the east or the west, and then it moves more central. Yeah. I think it's coming, though. I think pretty much everybody's adopting it. So eventually it'll be a thing for you. Sure. (laughs) It's already a thing, legal or not. Like, people are still doing it. Yeah. It's a thing. And then Wes, whom he had a question, actually. Yeah. So he's just, I'll read it out loud because not everybody will be able to hear it. Since you're such a pioneer, he says... And utilizing NIL, which you'll have to explain in your marketing plans with so much leasing velocity this fall are still considering NIL for next year's marketing plans. What's NIL, first of all? Oh, I can help you out with this one. So NIL is the name, image, and likeness legislation regarding student-athletes being able to be paid for their name, image, and likeness in different avenues of sponsorship. And we've seen this and it's actually something that Wes has discussed with me and also with our VP of operations, Brandon. But we were fortunate when this legislation was passed, we have a couple of properties in different markets where we had student athletes already living at our property. Ames, Iowa, for example, many members of the Iowa State football team, actually Brock Purdy, who has made quite the name for himself in the NFL as of late, And actually at Ohio State, we have quite a bit of the Ohio State football team that lives at our property. And we took it upon ourselves to reach out to these individuals and we're like, hey, like we already have people that come in for tours and are like, I want to live here because I know that from football and from gymnastics and these different sports is here. Why don't we make that a more like widespread and normalized thing? And so we did a social media campaign in Ames and tried to work through some different opportunities in Columbus as well. And with anything, you're just learning what works and what doesn't. And I would say that we still have those opportunities and those presences in different markets with different sports. It's tough because depending upon the sport and the market, they may be getting approached by a car dealership or raising Mm -hmm. canes or And you're a housing community trying to compete with that. And that's really difficult. And, you know, when NIL was first passed, we tried to get the jump on it before a lot of those 
other larger brands that that could throw a lot more money at it than we could. And I would say it's simmered down a little bit because of that, because they've identified Axe Body Wash or whoever is going to want to work with me and I'm going to be able to make this, that, or that happen. I would say we've shifted our focus more to instead of these really built out partnerships, how can we do simple things that influence students in a really positive way? For throwing a lot of money towards a pool party or a big event, can we talk with these student athletes and see if they're willing to attend and post about it to help increase the attendance? Because by increasing that attendance, that visibility at our property, it's going to generate really positive lease activity. So I would say it's still important. It's still something that we're talking about. We're just working through more indirect avenues that kind of take a wider approach than maybe we did when NIL was first passed. Interesting. Yeah. Honestly, I just learned about this year just haphazardly. I didn't hear about the announcement, I guess, and stuff, but then I started seeing like athletes start doing posts and stuff that seemed Mm -hmm. to be that they were like quote unquote sponsored. And I was like, wait, what is this? Yeah. Yeah. Compensation wise, like how do you really approach that? And like you said, you can't necessarily compete with somebody who has big pockets like a car dealership or something like that. But what is it that you, is it money? Is it rent? Is it like, how does that go? It depends. And it depends. I feel like that's my answer to every question you've asked me is it depends, but it really does because we operate in so many different states and so many different markets and schools are so vastly different in how they approach and think about things and the different sort of parameters that they put in place. But a lot of it depends on the athletic department and how they support their students when they're on scholarship. If you have a school where being on scholarship, their housing is covered, potentially they're not going to want free rent because they're already getting that compensation from the athletic department and they don't need it. They're going to want to see it in some sort of other way. But if you have non-scholarship athletes or maybe their scholarship works a little bit differently and they could use a potential kickback on rent, then you have a little bit more freedom and wiggle room to potentially work through that as a means of compensation as well. Got it. And there's no problems giving them like I guess they're doing something for you so it's not like you're treating somebody differently necessarily like just from a fair housing and all that yeah that's a great question it's really depending upon how a company structures their leasing incentives you can work it through your marketing budget or potentially your concession budget or something like that and really it's we're doing a marketing campaign. We're not compensating them to live there based on the fact that they are like a student athlete. We're working together and forging a campaign together and they just directly benefit from the fact that they can potentially get that kickback that way. Got it. That's interesting. Yeah. And there's some other things out there, newer solutions of getting residents, not athletes and stuff, but just residents involved in the process of leasing and like answering questions and stuff like that. Maybe you use some of that, but yeah, no, that's interesting. That's a whole nother topic. I haven't even thought about that from a housing standpoint. So that's interesting and probably more applicable to student in general just Mm -hmm. because it is student focused. And it changes the game from things that I have heard potentially depending upon how students were their scholarship was set up. Sometimes things were difficult and if they didn't have a ton of additional backing from their parents, they had to be really structured with 
how much they spent on rent and those sorts of things. And this really gives them the opportunity to have that additional earning potential where if they want to live at a property directly across the street from campus or with the best amenities or potentially properties like ours where maybe a little bit further from campus, but a lot more spacious, bigger pool decks, that sort of thing. They have the flexibility to take that choice back for themselves. Whereas that really wasn't much of a thing before they had these additional earning opportunities presented to them. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, because typically they'd have to live on campus and that gets provided for them, but it's not really want to live on campus. I'm getting older. Let's venture off campus. <laughs> no, that makes sense for sure. Cause campus one year. <laughs> I was only on campus one year and I, my journey of campus housing was very quick in that I was on campus for a year. I lived with three other girls for one year and then I moved into a studio apartment, never looked back. There were mm. no roommates to be had. It was not for me. Hey, well, it, feels, it feels hypocritical because we do deal with resident conflict and roommate conflict oh and we have to work with them and be like, okay, but maybe compromise on this or do that. But then I reflect on my own college experience and I'm like, I would have never, ever put up with any of this. I can only imagine the conflicts that you, you guys get in the middle of. It's, yeah, that's probably a whole topic. I'm sure there's some good stories there. Fridge space, <laughs> not being able to find the TV remote. It's just, oh goodness. yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of territory you can cover and potentially disrupt how somebody likes their living space to be. That's funny. And they're just kids. Yeah, that's fun. Devin, it's been great to have you. I really appreciate you jumping on Boss Talks and saying yes to this. And I hope you enjoyed yourself and that this isn't necessarily the last time we speak. But in general, I like to stay connected to people that are my guests and continue building relationship and a community around being on Boss Talks. Yeah. Evan, I just want to say thank you. This was a lot of fun just to get to laugh with you and talk through different aspects of this really kooky, really niche industry that some of us have for some reason, signed ourselves up to work in. So I appreciate you giving a platform to, to student housing and also building community through this avenue. I think it's super cool. So appreciate the opportunity. appreciate you allowing me to, to represent Tailwind Group too. I know uh, we've had Bo on here before as well. Just want to say thank you for providing this avenue, also putting the spotlight on student housing and laughing with me for the last hour. So it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thank you. And Obviously, she enjoyed it. So if you want to jump in and be a boss on Boss Talks, I would love to have you. And I would, first of all, don't be worried about this being scary or whatever. You just jump in, ask you some fun questions. We have a good time. So if you want to jump in and be a boss on Boss Talks, reach out to me. I'd love to have you learn why you're the boss, why you have something to offer this industry greater multifamily all the way down to student and everywhere in between. I think we're missing senior. I've never had a senior housing person. So we're going to get there. I have no insight there. So (laughs) cannot help you. Yeah. Someday we'll get there. But again, thank you. And this has been Boss Talks. See you next Wednesday. And thanks for watching. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Boss Talks podcast. If you would like to be a guest on the show, please reach out via email at info at communityboss.com. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to like, share, and follow us on your favorite podcast platform. 
You can also watch the podcast live every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Community Boss LinkedIn or Facebook pages. Until next time, manage like a boss.